nearly two years after it was due, a state task force empowered to make recommendations on reducing the use of road salt in the Adirondacks released its final report in early September to discuss the findings of the report and how they could be implemented by state and local officials. We're joined on the Capitol Press Room by former State Environmental Conservation Commissioner Joe Martens, who served on the task force. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Thank you. Great to be here. So I want to start our conversation by rewinding back to your time running the DEC from 2011 to 2015. Was the issue of environmental contamination from road salt, particularly in the Adirondacks, on your radar back then? Or is this a more recent concern? So I think it was uh, it was definitely on the radar, David, but not in the sort of comprehensive way it is today. There was, you know, back when I was at DEC, there was some pretty significant contamination issues with private wells. Mm-hmm. Um, so DEC and DOT were very involved in trying to address those problems. So they were very localized. You know, this legislation that was passed in 2020 was really an acknowledgement that it's a park-wide problem. And I think it was probably just built up because we had, you know, sort of site-specific anecdotal problems cropping up here and there. And then all of a sudden, uh, the alarm bells went off and people realized that it was a much wider problem uh, than we had acknowledged in the past. Well, yeah, the report says the impact from road salt applications in the Adirondack specifically are, quote unquote, pronounced. How serious of an environmental threat are current practices? And, and is it something that we should think of as limited to certain areas or is it a broader problem across the park? Well, I think it's a broader problem not only across the part, across the strait and across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not the only state dealing with the issue. Lots of other states, particularly, you know, ones that have similar climates where we get lots of snow, particularly in the North Country and in Tug Hill, other places, Buffalo, <laughs> obviously. But it's it's a national problem. And a lot of states have taken action similar to New York's in taking a kind of a deep dive into the, the problem and coming up with recommendations on just how we can reduce the use of road salt and minimize the problems. And the problems are significant and growing, I would say. It's uh, it's sort of similar in ways to the, the climate crisis. CO2 has been building up in the atmosphere, you know, for decades, literally, and it goes unrecognized and it just keeps accumulating and the problem has gotten worse and worse, but it's only manifested in, you know, ways that people don't necessarily connect the dots with the, the the extreme storms, the hot weather, the lack of rainfall in places. You know, it's a whole variety of things, but uh, they all add up and, and point to the same problem. And salt accumulation is very similar. We've been applying salt uh, for decades at very high uh, rates on roads, and the salt just keeps accumulating in the environment. It doesn't go away. And Uh, As the report acknowledges, only about 50% of the salt that is actually applied to the road surface stays on the road surface. Half of it gets washed off or knocked off by vehicles traveling on the road, by rainfall, precipitation, and other things that drive it into roadside, you know, terrestrial systems like soils. So the stuff accumulates and it continues to go from move from soils into water bodies I think the problem with the park is we have 30,000 lakes, ponds, 18,000 miles of streams and rivers. So we have a a huge uh, resource, natural resource of water bodies. 
And that's where a lot of this salt winds up, unfortunately. And it does have, you know, significant detrimental effects. Well, it's interesting to hear you talk about the detrimental environmental effects, specifically as it pertains to water, because there's a note in the report that the task force found that most monitored water bodies in the park met existing regulatory guidelines for contaminants. So does that mean we need to update uh, what we consider as clean or contaminant-free for our water bodies in the park? Yes. Uh, And that is, in fact, one of the recommendations from the task force was that DEC update its standards for salt concentrations in water bodies and in public water supplies, in fact. So that is a process that unfortunately is going to take a fair amount of time. It's not an easy one to develop regulatory standards. And I know from firsthand experience, it does take time. DEC will have to do some kind of a benefit cost analysis because the dilemma here and the sort of the paradigm is the use of road salt versus all of these environmental impacts, which again are growing over time. We've gotten accustomed to using road salts and we've become like addicts to it. We are used to being able to, and the public wants to be able to drive in the wintertime the same way they do in the summer at the same speeds. So, you know, part of the report's recommendation is also just change, trying to change people's behavior with regard to driving and travel in the wintertime. One of the recommendations of the report is that the standards do need to be looked at seriously. And I think DEC would agree that the standards right now are too high and need to be the threshold for the concentration of of salts needs to be lowered to be protective in the long term of all this, you know, beautiful water bodies we have in the park. And does the report, though, spell out specifically the metrics we should be using when we think about water contamination more broadly, things to aspire for, or is that left up almost entirely to state environmental officials? No, there's uh, there's some pretty good existing data and reports about what levels of salt are problematic. So that's sort of a starting point. I think DEC has some goals already in mind about what would be protective. So we're not starting at ground zero here. A fair amount of work has been done in the scientific community to identify what levels would be protective uh, over the long haul. You mentioned expectations, and we've covered this issue for years now with your fellow task force member, Phil Sexton, and he's talked about how people expect to see bare roads, even when there's big snowstorms. So how do we go about changing what our our expectations are and what should be expected of us as drivers, whether that means driving slower or simply not going on the roads? Is that something that the state can mandate or does there need to be some sort of education campaign that would take likely years? One of the major report findings and recommendations is that there should be a public education campaign Uh, Again, we've all become sort of accustomed to expecting roads to be clear uh, after snowstorms. And that hasn't always been the case, by the way. I think, you know, if you go back to the 1980s and the lead up to the Olympics up here uh, in the Adirondacks, the level of road salt use was uh, negligible at that time. But with the onset of the Olympics and knowing that there was going to be a lot of traffic and a lot of visitors uh, to the Lake Placid region, 
uh, the state stepped up its efforts to keep the roads clear uh, for a good reason. They wanted to, people to be safe when they were traveling here. But going back 50 years, people routinely use snow tires. They routinely use chains. There's parts of the country where they do require chains at certain certain places at certain times of the year. And you're not allowed to travel there unless you do have chains on your car. So public education is going to be important. I think, you know, one of the one of the task force members, Jerry Delaney, who's a local government representative, you know, said people don't understand there's a difference between an, an all-weather tire and a snow tire. And they are, in fact, markedly different, have performed different in snowy conditions. And if we could get that message across, uh, get the message across that slowing down in the wintertime is probably one of the safest things you can do because it shortens stopping distances and you just maintain greater control of the car. So I think that is a process that will take time, but I think the state could start a public education soon, quickly. There's no reason not to start it right now. And after a quick break, we'll continue our discussion about the Adirondack Road Salt Reduction Task Force assessment and recommendations that were recently released. Support for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org. Well, for listeners just joining us, we're continuing our conversation about the Adirondack Road Salt Reduction Task Force's recent report. And our guest is Joe Martens, the former commissioner for the State Department of Environmental Conservation, as well as a task force member. And earlier you mentioned that idea of, say, using chains on your tires and hearkening back to our conversation with Phil Sexton, that former member of the task force. He also highlighted how Quebec mandates snow tires at certain points. Could you ever envision the state mandating something like that? Or would we have a riot on our hands if the state was to get into that direction when it comes to people's driving habits? It's hard for me to envision a mandate, but I certainly could envision strong encouragement, maybe financial incentives. Obviously, people have all different financial means. Some people can afford snow tires, other people yeah. can't. But encouraging their use and, again, incentives to use snow tires, I think, is is really critical. I live up in the park, and it, it, it is, you know, it snows up here regularly, if not daily. So there's driving conditions are always a bit hazardous. People that, you know, have lived here a long time have become accustomed to it and know how to drive. But people from outside the area, the park gets 12 million visitors a year and they come from all over the world, literally. So it's going to be, a, you know, a difficult thing to reach all those people. But information signs, traffic signs that warn and caution people to slow down because of hazardous driving conditions, you know, those are steps that can really be taken immediately. The quicker we do it, the better. You know, there's an awakening here that this is a real problem and we have to start doing something about reducing the amount of salt that we put in the environment. The amazing stat that keeps getting thrown around is 193,000 tons of salt every year are used in the park. 
that's a rough estimate. It's probably understated when you start to look at all of the impervious services, private ones on parking lots, sidewalks, commercial space. It's just an amazing amount that is applied year after year after year. We have to start recognizing that that accumulates in the environment and is really causing some serious problems. Well, sticking with the idea of the amount of road salt that is actually used, did you get a sense from this report that transportation officials actually know how much road salt they're applying on certain roads and in certain weather conditions? Or do we just have a handle on the total amount that we're essentially paying for each year and not really keeping track of where it goes? State DOT probably has a good handle on it because they have pretty sophisticated equipment that they use on their plow trucks. So they can actually measure the amount of salt that is being applied. But I think the report points out that most of the roads in the park are non-state roads. They don't get as much and as heavy use as the state highways and state routes do. But so you have a lot of local governments with varying financial capability. They don't always have the best equipment. You know, most certainly don't measure the amount of salt that is being applied. And that is, again, one of the recommendations in the report is to provide assistance to all those local DPWs that are in charge of keeping the roads clear and safe in the wintertime so that they can actually use the best equipment, ones that can be calibrated, ones that where you can measure the amount of salt that's being applied to the road, and then seeing whether or not at reduced levels, whether it's just as effective. And I think that's kind of the hypothesis here is we could drastically reduce almost overnight the amount of salt that's used and have the roads still be in as good condition in the wintertime as they are with heavier salt loads. It varies across the board, and a lot depends, again, on the financial capability of the community you're in. Lake George, for example, has been very progressive. They obviously are very concerned about the effects of road salt on Lake George itself. So they've implemented pilot programs. Their DPW department for Warren County is very progressive, and they have good equipment, but they're all challenged as well. So state financial assistance or financial assistance generally is another you know, big issue that we highlight in the report is financial assistance is going to have to be provided, particularly to the local governments that are, you know, trying to keep the roads safe throughout winter. You know, one of the big issues that kept coming up repeatedly in discussions in the task force was liability. Both state officials and local officials are all concerned that if they don't maintain the same level of service that people have become accustomed to, and as a consequence, there is an increase in accidents that there's going to be a litany of lawsuits, and they're all worried about that. It's expensive to defend, and some type of liability reform, if you will, was discussed, and it's mentioned several times in the report that it's something that also should be looked into in certain circumstances. For example, training for local plow drivers to make sure that they, one, are well aware of the best management practices available, uh, monitoring the amount of salt they use, how it's applied and when, and getting possibly even implementing a certification program so that the local operators who go through the training get certified and whether or not there could be some kind of liability protection for those that employ the best management practices. So all of that's discussed without necessarily coming to a conclusion, but everything in this report, again, is a recommendation of things that ought to be looked at because they are all problems. 
So there is a lot to unpack in that answer. And I want to start with the idea of financial support for the recommendations. There's no dollar figure, at least that I saw in the report. So how much are we talking about? And is this something that the state can fund on its own? Or like the report says, do we need to get help from our friends in Washington, D.C. in order to successfully reduce the use of road salt moving forward? So not a simple question. Um, And I think the short answer is we'll take help from wherever we can find it, federal, state, local. As the report points out, there are a host of existing pots of money, if you will, administered by both DOT and DEC uh, that could be potentially used to implement a variety of the recommendations in the report. And that's obviously the place we would turn to first, because there are pots of money that address water quality issues, for example. So while salt contamination has not traditionally been one of the things that has been funded, I think everybody who was involved in the task force report agreed that it should be eligible. So changing some eligibility requirements for existing pots of money is a possibility. And I think you know, one of the things that everybody acknowledged is, yes, all the recommendations are costly. Equipment is costly. Change of practices, training, public education, they all cost money. But the costs of not acting are equally as high, if not higher, particularly when you look at the long-term impacts to both aquatic and terrestrial environments and to public health, potentially, with the contamination of private and public water supplies. So, you know, there's cost savings to be had. We, we spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars maintaining roads, bridges, piping, all kinds of infrastructure that is damaged by salt dramatically year after year after year. So that's a huge cost. So there's savings to be had as well. I think it was sort of beyond the capability of the task force to try to enumerate and add up all of those and be very definitive about it. But we acknowledge that it's going to take some money, but there's also terrific cost saving involved as well. Well, in your earlier lengthy answer, you also talked about testing hypotheses, and there are pilot programs referenced in this report. So are there any experiments that you're particularly interested in or think are particularly promising, whether it's managing cold spots on roadways, trying to develop chloride-free zones or or some of the other best practices uh, initiatives? Uh, listen, I think they're they're all terrific because they are all designed to get a handle on what the impacts would be, both to public safety and on the environment. And it's obviously not an easy task. You have to be able to know what sort of the baseline conditions are under existing practices and establish that, how much of the salt is getting into the soil and how much is it accumulating over time. Same with the aquatic environments. How is it impacting the environment? And then when you reduce the amount of salt or go to alternate use of best management practices, then you need to measure it all over again, see how much progress you've made, whether or not you've had a measurable impact. And that is just hardcore science that every one of these pilot studies is intended to develop develop, better data, so that we can know what are the most effective things that we can do. The report has lots of simple and common sense things that should be done right away. One, you know, they give the premise that we already over-apply. Two, that things like road maintenance are equally as important. A poorly maintained road 
is much harder to plow. It's more costly to plow, and consequently, you have to apply more road salt to keep it clear. Taking measures like you know slowing traffic down, putting up signs, uh, all of these things will contribute, hopefully, to reducing the amount of salt over time. But it's all got to be measured, and it should be all done as scientifically as possible with good data to back up you know which measures are most effective and which aren't. As I read this report, it all seems like the kind of recommendations and conversation that's been ongoing for years and not necessarily the most groundbreaking or inflammatory policy recommendations. So what made this report take so long to come out? Because traditionally, when reports issued by the state are delayed, it's because there are political challenges or people don't want to confront what's going on here. This doesn't necessarily seem to be the case with this report. So why was it so late, considering that you guys had your last meeting months ago? Um, so it, it it was late. It was late getting started, for one. Um, and that was, I think, due in large part to the transition from the last administration to the current administration in Albany. So that, that delayed the start of the report by a year. Uh, I think the task force members will all acknowledge that the lion's share of the work was done probably a year ago, um, but we relied on the state agencies to collate the information, to put it in a, region, uh, a readable format, one that could be easily understood by the lay reader. The amount of information was voluminous and that was, um, you know, in times a little bit wonky and unreadable, and we all acknowledge that. So. DEC was the, you know, kind of the final editor in the report. And, you know, they have a lot on their plate, as I know from personal experience mm -hmm. there, this, you know, the water quality program at DEC was, you know, front and center on this. They have a ton of work to do. So, you know, I, I personally think it's just sort of agency overload. And if we had, you know, had the capacity as a task force to just kind of do it ourselves, you know, maybe we could have gotten it out sooner, but I'm not, I'm not confident of that. It took a, a lot of editing. Ultimately, we wanted this to be a very readable and digestible report because it was going not only to the governor and the legislature, but to the public as well. And all of the local DPW departments, everybody that is involved in the SALT issue. So, you know, I'm just glad it's out. It, this is a longstanding issue. And I think the report is actually very helpful, especially the technical appendices. There's a lot of documentation there of a ton of work that's been done, you know, over the last couple of decades, documenting the problem, documenting best management practices. And if the report brings this stuff to the fore and highlights it all uh, and we make progress, then we will accomplish something. Well, we've been speaking with Joe Martens. He's the former DEC commissioner and a member of the Adirondack Road Salt Reduction Task Force. Joe, thank you so much for making the time. Happy to do it. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. business agency or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team.